What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy Kendrick Gray, the Dreadlock Blur, here back with my weekly wrap up on Dreadlock Blur Talk. This is going to be a show that I'm going to be trying to do on a weekly basis that just wraps up everything that goes on throughout the week, whether it's wrestling, movies, TV, the actual news, or anything going on in social media. This will be my weekly um, show to pretty much wrap up everything that's gone on throughout the week. So more than likely every Sunday at 4.30, I will be going live on Twitch, Facebook, as well as YouTube. So if you are on any of those platforms, then you can definitely follow me there. As always, be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe. If you are following me on YouTube, please do all four of those things. Um, before I continue, please let me just say thank you to all of that recently subscribed to the channel that officially put me over to 10,000 subscribers. So I am at a 10K mark for subscribers. The next journey is to get to 100,000. That is the goal right now. So hopefully we can get to 100,000 subscribers and we can see what's going on. Um, Imagine the films. Thanks for tuning in. Kim, what is going on? Thanks for the share. This is the old, that's exactly what it is. It's the old school dbz button-up shirts i was the king of these back in high school i managed to get them back from a student that i had given him to i'm still missing a couple so i gotta try to find those other ones so i'm gonna be trying to rock these every time i do a show in front of the camera so look for these a lot more so hopefully within the next few months or so i can get the rest of these shirts um again we also got to talk because i gotta get you guys on the show as well so we're gonna talk throughout the week and see if we can get weight and hate here on the um, Dreadlock Blur Talk podcast. Um, but as I said, I just reached 10,000 subscribers, so I am on the journey to 100,000 subscribers. So please, you know, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're not watching me on Facebook, that's pretty easy. If you're a friend of mine on Facebook, then you know what I'm going to drop ready. I'm going to try to be a little bit more proactive and letting you guys know when I'm going to be going live so you guys can be ready. Um, if you're going to follow me on Twitch, then you can catch me on Twitch as well. Um, I'm going to try to utilize Twitch a lot more so I can really start getting a little bit more viewership on that platform. And of course you can follow me on any of the social media platforms. They're all in the description box below Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, even though I don't really use Twitter much, much Twitch, you know, PlayStation network, all that stuff. Um, um, Parents, just to give you a heads up, they are very hard to find. You're better off. You can you can check on eBay. You can check on Etsy, but they're gonna cost you some money. Like they're like super vintage. They're like super super vintage these shirts right now. So if at any point you can find them online, you're probably gonna be ready to um pay a pretty penny. Same thing with Stargate. I uh, it's it's the same it's the same thing. So. All that being said, let's just get right into the show. Like I said, this show is going to cover everything that's gone down throughout the week. Again, whether it's, again, entertainment news, regular news, or social media news. So, we're going to start off today's show by jumping right into some wrestling news. And we're going to be talking about the return of Goldberg. This past Monday night on Raw, the um, Raw had a special Legends night, which ironically wasn't a lot of Legends. You had Hogan... You know, Jimmy Hart, um, what you want to call it, uh, Sarge Slaughter, Tatanka, um, 
Tori Wilson, um, the Boogeyman, um, Melina, I believe her name. Um, yeah, Melina. There's a couple others. Um, the show ended up with a um, pretty, actually one of the best matches of the whole night, which was Drew McIntyre versus um, Keith Lee for the WWE Championship. Keith, Keith Lee ended up losing the match, but it was a very good match. It was a hell of a show. That was probably the only highlight of the night, which was that match. Of course, it got soured by the return of Oldberg, or excuse me, Goldberg, who comes to the ring and he issues a challenge to Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship at this coming Royal Rumble, which is at the end of the month. Now, listen. <clears throat> excuse me. Excuse me off my throat's a little bit, you know, raw from yelling all weekend karate class. Listen, I I respect Goldberg for what he did for the wrestling business during the time of the Monday Night Wars. I respect him for that. He was literally the highlight of WCW aside from the NWO. And again, his time in WWE was kind of lackluster when he first brought him in. He kind of got like a um, second resurgence when he came back a few years ago and challenged Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. But things started to really go sour when he came back and beat The Fiend for the Universal Championship. And then he had that real trash-ass match with The Undertaker at either Super Showdown or Crown Jewel. One of them shits. I don't know. Um, my whole thing was this, and this goes back to a video I did a while ago about how WWE could survive the next decade. And one of the things I said in that video was they need to stop relying on the older talent, the Hall of Famers, the veterans, to come back and put stars over. Truth of the matter is, a lot of the stars that are in WWE right now could very well put themselves over if Vince McMahon gives them a chance. You look at Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre, who is the WWE champion right now, was in the WWE back in the early 2000s. He was literally called the chosen one. He was picked by Vince McMahon himself to be the next big guy. But it didn't work out that way. He got straddled with Heath Slater and Jinder Mahal to become 3MB. Then after a while, he was let go from the company. He went off to do the independent circuit. He signed up with the... um. TNA Impact, he was there for a minute, and he found some success there. Then, of course, he came back to WWE as far as the NXT, in, in, as far as the NXT, NXT lineup. He did very well in that, becoming NXT champion, then he was called back up to the main roster. Now, he spent a couple of years kind of playing second villain to a couple of people, mainly Dolph Ziggler, but 2020 was the year of Drew McIntyre. Beating Block, he won, he beat, he won the Royal Rumble, by knocking out Brock Lesnar. He beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And then he was able to hang on to the title for the remainder of the year. The only exception was the small break he had where he lost the title to Randy Orton. But that only lasted for like maybe two or three weeks. Because he won it right back. So as far as it stands, Drew McIntyre is a superstar on his own. And he did it on his own merits. And he's a hell of a face champion too. You know, because... While he's the face champion, the Tribal Chief Roman Reigns is the heel champion on SmackDown, which is probably the only reason why I'm on SmackDown, because of Roman Reigns. Having to bring back Goldberg, to me, is very, very pointless. 
It really is. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. As tip-top shape as he is still in his age, that age still plays a factor. Why do you think The Undertaker just retired? And The Undertaker was doing this a lot longer than Goldberg was. Goldberg was a big deal, again, in WCW for a good amount of years. The Undertaker has been a big... He's been a thing for like over 35... For, for as long as I've been alive, The Undertaker has been like the thing. Uh, he's been the thing in WWE. And WWE knows that. So, to bring back a person like Goldberg, to me, eh, it's, it's ridiculous. Now, my hope is that he doesn't go over Drew at Royal Rumble. I really hope that's not the case. I really would like for Drew to retain the title. Honestly speaking, this would do more for Drew than it will for Goldberg. Because Goldberg holding the championship again does nothing for me. It, it really doesn't. It's like Brock Lesnar holding the championship. That does nothing for me. Now, granted, I respect Brock Lesnar a lot more than I respect Goldberg at this point because at least Brock Lesnar is a legit beast. He can legit fight. I'm not saying that Goldberg can't fight, but it's Brock Lesnar. He's been proving time and time again since he debuted in WWE so many years ago that he's a legit threat. So I, I would have felt better if Brock Lesnar came back to Raw as opposed to Goldberg. But we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I don't have WWE Network, so I most likely won't be watching the Royal Rumble when it premieres. I'll just watch the recap on Monday Night Raw and see how it goes. But I'm pretty sure a lot of my wrestling fan friends are going to tell me all about it on social media, and I'll be checking up with them. All that being said, I don't. I really don't think it was a good idea for Goldberg to come back. I really don't. Um. Um, Doink the Clown, he's cool, but he doesn't exist anymore, really. And Roman Reigns, as far as fans, and you guys know, my favorite wrestler, and I named him my favorite wrestler of all 2020, was Roman Reigns. Him coming back as a heel was the best thing they could have done for him. It made the absolute most sense. So, I am not, I don't dislike Roman Reigns. I really enjoy his character a great deal. And I've always been a fan of Roman Reigns, but him as a heel works so much better for him than he did as a face. If he's going to be turning face any point down the line, I don't know. But as of right now, his heel run is the best that's going on out there. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Moving on to some TV news. We're going to be talking about I mean, TV news, not type TV news, movie news. We're going to be talking about a lot of the rumors that were spreading around in regards to Michael Keaton and him returning as the Batman for the DCEU. As many of you know, a few years back, not even a few years back, maybe a year or two back, it was actually might have been just last year um they announced that michael keaton would be making his return as an older bruce wayne for the flashpoint movie which is the flash's standalone movie now like many of you i was definitely driven up the wall at that news i was super excited to hear that news because for all intents and purposes michael keaton is so considered one of the best live action versions of batman he def he defined what it means to portray Batman in movies. Nothing against Adam West. Nothing against Christian Bale. Nothing against Ben Affleck either. But he set the standard for your dark, gothic, safe yours, beat ass type of Batman. Now, the news that was circling within the past week or so was that Michael Keaton was going to be the main Batman 
for the DCEU. Now, eventually we've come to find out that that is actually not the case, but a lot of people definitely voiced their opinions on social media. A lot of people thought that was the best way to go. I can tell you right now, I was not one of those people. I honestly felt that that's not the, that is not the way to go. Again, I love Michael Keaton. I love him to death. And his Batman is still one of the best ones out there. But for him to come back at the main CU Batman, not only doesn't work for him as far as age is concerned, but it doesn't fit the narrative either. We don't know where this Flashpoint movie is going to go. It's highly suggested that it won't be particularly super based on the Flashpoint comic book. You know, more than likely, and this is just me speculating, I feel like the Flashpoint movie is really just going to tie up and connect all the different universes that exist within DC Entertainment. You got the animated universe. You got the older DC movies. You know, like the original Batman movies, the Dark Knight trilogy, you know, the original Superman movies, Wonder Woman. You got a lot of the TV shows that are on like that right now. That includes the CW Arrowverse. You know, the things that were on the DC Universe streaming services that are now on HBO Max, like Titans, Swamp Thing, Doom Patrol, things like that. If they are smart, if they are absolutely smart, they will use a Flashpoint movie to connect all of that stuff. I really think that's the direction they're going to go, considering the fact that the last crossover for the Arrowverse was the DC's um, pretty much Crisis on Infinite Earths. That was the last crossover. That was, that was the last big crossover that they have for the Arrowverse. Now, what they did was they combined all the heroes that are on the Arrowverse and they put them on the one universe. Because you got to remember, Flash and Arrow, they were part of one universe. Supergirl was from a different universe. Black Lightning was from a different universe. And so was um, Stargirl. Stargirl technically belongs on a DC Universe streaming service. So, and if you guys watched the um, Crosses on Infinite Earths on the crossover, then you saw that there was a section, which is, I think it was the Flash episode. There was a part of the scene, there was a part of that episode where Grant Gustin, who puts the Flash on TV, he ends up meeting... Ezra Miller's Flash from the DCEU. They actually have a bit of a dialogue between each other. To me, that kind of symbolizes them connecting the Arrowverse to the main DCEU continuity. I would venture to say that, the, again, I would venture to say that the Flashpoint movie is going to pretty much connect every single universe that deals with the DC entertainment. Animated, live-action TV shows, all the other movies, all that stuff. I, that's my hope. I could be wrong, but that's what I think they're going to do with the Flashpoint movie. But again, Ken, you're absolutely right. Michael Keaton's 70. He's 70 years old. Do you really? And I know they could do a lot with the aging technology and stuff. We've seen it for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all that stuff. We get it. But think logically here, people. Do you honestly think that Michael Keaton in his 70 years is going to be suiting up as Batman to be Batman full time again? No. And I'll tell you right. At this point... You're better off just making him the Batman for the Batman Beyond. If you're going to make a movie of it, just go ahead and do it. They've been talking about doing a Batman Beyond movie from like years back when, like back in like right, like way after Batman Beyond premiered on TV, they were talking about doing a Batman Beyond movie. Now would probably be a good time for them to do that because as of right now, um, and this is getting into a little bit of comic book news, which wasn't on the schedule, but I'll talk about it anyway. 
you know, DC just wrapped up his latest crisis event, which was Dark Knight's Death Metal. That was the latest event they just um, finished up. And then, of course, it's leading into the next slate of comics, which is called DC Future Slate, which is basically them kind of just kind of essentially moving forward within the comic book universe as far as, you know, certain heroes and stuff. For Like, for instance, you know, we're going to get a new Wonder Woman. We're going to get a couple new versions of Superman. We're going to be getting an African, or let me scratch that. We're going to be getting a black Batman, who's who's actually essentially Tim Fox. Again, that's not to say that Bruce Wayne is gone, because Bruce Wayne is back. He's just going to be doing something different. So, maybe to kind of coincide with what the combo books are doing, maybe this is a chance for the DC Cinematic Universe to kind of do a soft reboot. And just connect everything up. Because, again, it doesn't make sense to have the movie universe, the animated universe, the TV universe, and have them all be separated and at no point not acknowledge each other. That doesn't make any sense. So, hopefully, the hopefully people at Warner Brothers, which is a really big, hopefully, hopefully the people at Warner Brothers... The executives are wanting to see fit to try to connect all these things to at least save some face. To at least save some face. I mean, Robert Pattinson's Batman is already established as doing as being like a Batman from a different universe. Because of course he's a younger Batman. It's a different type of story. Commissioner Gordon's black. So that's already a different universe. The movie, the Joker movie, is essentially a different universe movie, also. So if you want to use comic book technical terms. The Batman starring Robert Pattinson is an Elseworld story. Joker is an Elseworld story. So you got to put those things into perspective when it comes to the comic book. So those are things to look at and to just keep in mind. But again, as excited as I am for Michael Keaton to come back as Batman once again, him being the main continuity Batman doesn't make sense. I mean, if anything else, you might as well just keep an Affleck. And I know a lot of people have their reservations about Ben Affleck as Batman, honestly speaking, I didn't mind him. I mean, I mean, as far as it stands, his portrayal of Batman in Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice, I was, I, I actually enjoyed it. I enjoyed his, I enjoyed his portrayal of Batman in that than I do in Justice League. But of course, we have Justice League: The Snyder Cut coming in much so. Let's see if that is done a little bit differently. All right. Continuing on that entertainment news, let's talk about the fact that Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg in the Justice League movie and as well as the DCEU as a whole, is basically done with Warner Brothers. And he's he stated himself that he will not be coming back. As many of you guys knew, um, Warner Brothers was conducting an investigation as far as the production and the treatment of not only production crew, but the cast members of the Justice League movie. As you guys remember, the original director of Justice League, Zack Snyder, stepped down as director for Justice League after, you know, his daughter um, passed away because of suicide. So he's just, him and his wife, Deborah Snyder, stepped down from production of Justice League and just decided to just focus on that. They called in Joss Whedon, who was, of course, the director of the first two Avengers movies. They called him in to finish the movie up. Now, many people put... Many people pointed out and noticed that the production value of Zack Snyder's Justice League and Joss Whedon's Justice League are completely different. 
A lot of credit color grading went into it to make it look a little bit brighter. A lot of things were rewritten to make things seem a little bit more jokey and campy. Batman was making jokes in the movie. Batman doesn't intentionally make jokes unless... No, he, no as I said, he just doesn't make jokes. That's as, that's as far as it goes. Batman does not make jokes, okay? So, and you can watch my review on YouTube. My review for Justice League is here somewhere. But I will go on record again to say that I wasn't that excited... I wasn't as excited leaving Justice League as I was going into it. And even going into it, my excitement wasn't really all that there. My excitement for Batman v Superman was super up there. It kind of diminished when I left the movie theater, but then the Ultimate Edition kind of made up for it. It kind of brought back. So I will pop that in to the Blu-ray player a lot more than I'll pop in Justice League. Which is funny because Justice League's been on TV a lot. It was just on last night. But one of the people who are really outspoken about his treatment on set from Joss Whedon was um, Ray Fisher. And he was the one that was pretty much championing, championing the, um, you know, the um, investigation into how things was done. You know, I know a lot of other people stepped up. Um, Jason Momoa, Gal Gadot, they stepped up and voiced their concerns about how everything went. But if I'm not mistaken, Warner Brothers decided that nothing was really too much out of the ordinary. Um, which, again, goes without saying. I mean, you could take that with a grain of salt. But Ray Fisher's attitude towards how everything went just, just put a bad taste in his mouth. And he decided to not come back. Now, there was talks of doing a cyborg movie. But that kind of got pushed to the wayside along with a whole bunch of other solo movies from the DCEU. Got pushed back after the success, after the release of Justice League. So they kind of had to revamp themselves. So as far as it stands, we don't really know what the state of the DCEU is. Aside from the Batman. Aside from the Suicide Squad, which is being done by James Gunn. And the Snyder Cut. Really. You know, they haven't said much about um, Aquaman 2 or Shazam 2. Everyone's been tearing Wonder Woman 1984 apart again. I didn't hate the movie. It could have been a lot better to me. And I just, and I was saying this the other day to me, the Wonder Woman movie at the end of the day was just kind of pointless. It didn't really tie into anything else dealing with the DCEU. And when you have a universe set up like that, you kind of want to make a movie that kind of ties into what the next movies are going to be about you know we've seen it with the dceu now i'm not saying that warner brothers has to follow the same formula but you kind of want to have something that's going to tie in to what you're going to do now i mean the first one will be different it's her origin movie so it's okay for them to do that but this movie mike um 1984 didn't really have anything to do with the collective of the dceu so you know again i didn't hate it but we kind of didn't really need it, at least as far as plot is concerned. We probably didn't really need it. It also brings me to my next point, which is Zack Snyder, who has also said that he will not be doing any more DCEU movies after the Snyder Cut. Um, I know people have gone on record to call the DCEU kind of the Snyderverse because he was so instrumental in getting off the ground with um, Man of Steel, which is one of my favorite DCEU movies. It's probably my favorite DCEU movie. You know, he was he helped with Wonder Woman. Of course, he gave us Batman v Superman. He gave us the Suicide Squad. No, no, no. Well, he helped with the Suicide Squad. David Ayer gave us the Suicide Squad. And then, of course, Justice League. 
you know, plus, but he helped collaborate with all these other movies on Aquaman and Shazam. He helped collaborate with all of those. But I think at this point, with everything that he went through with them, I think he's pretty much done as well. So I know he will not be coming back to any D future DCEU projects, which could be a good thing and a bad thing because visually speaking, he does a pretty good job of bringing these things together. But I will say it might be time to let some other people, you know, try their hands at some of these movies. I mean, we already saw what Patty Jenkins did with the first Wonder Woman movie. The second Wonder Woman movie, again, we don't need to talk about that anymore. Uh, David Ayer with the Suicide Squad, which I didn't think was a bad movie. I just didn't like who they chose as the main villain of the movie. Aquaman with James Wan was fantastic. Shazam was fantastic. So again, I think it's okay to try, let people try their hands at these movies. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing the Russo brothers tackle a DCEU movie. I think that'd be interesting. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. But I think he, he has stated that he would not be working on any further DCEU movies in the future after the Snyder Cut. I mean, we'll have to wait and see because we don't know how the Snyder Cut is going to turn out. So we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. Um, moving on to some actual news news. I wasn't really going to talk about it, but we, we have to talk about it. And that's the siege of the Capitol building that took place on Wednesday. There's nothing I can say that hasn't been said already. We all know that if this were, if those people were a different shade of color, our turns would have been completely different than what happened on that Wednesday. The only thing I can honestly say about that is something like that was eventually bound to happen. It was eventually bound to happen. There was at some point a movement like that was going to happen. Now, the fact that they got that far is probably still amazing to me, but not again, too amazing to be out of, to not think that it can't happen. There are a lot of angry people in the United States, a lot of angry people. And at some point that anger is going to come to a point where it's just going to explode and they're going to do things like that. Now I've heard the people, I've heard plenty of people say that a lot of that stuff was staged and I'm not going to say that they're wrong. You know, certain stories, certain movies, certain TV shows have given us the inclination that certain things like this can be staged or at least part of it. In fact, there was one movie that I was thinking about that came to mind first, which was Wag the Dog. Wag the Dog is an old movie from like the late 90s that starred Robert De Niro. And... It talked about them pretty much staging a war so they can be allowed to go to war. This, this is probably no different. There's a there's the um, video of that lady named Elizabeth who talked about being pushed in mace. And, I mean, so much so that there's somebody made a video of them matching it to the Animaniacs theme song, which is hilarious. It's funny. Every time I watch that video, it's hilarious. But, you know, somebody pointed out, a couple of people pointed out that she was carrying an onion with her to make it seem like she was crying, that she had been maced and stuff. Like, look, politics in general is a dog and pony show. It is what it is, folks. Politics in general is a dog and pony show. They are all, on both sides, Democrat and Republican, they're all trying to pay the American people against each other. That's what this is. Now, don't get me wrong. 
I don't hate Donald Trump. I don't hate him at all. I'm just amazed that he was able to get this far. Just being a president. You know, who elects a person like him to be the president? For all we know, this could have been a whole social experiment. We don't know that. But at the end of the day, he was clearly unfit to sit on, sit and sit behind that desk. Even though I have my opinions on the, the role of the president of the United States, but that's not the video. This is the video for this right now. The fact of the matter is both sides are playing us. You know, you could be a diehard Republican. You could be a diehard Democrat. That's up to you. you if you want to do that, that's fine. But. Any rational person would understand that, that both sides are trying to play us for fools. Both sides. Now, we can go ahead and outright renounce politics. But at the end of the day, I do think that some politics does help out in the long run. Especially local politics. Like state politics, even though there's corruption there too. You know, I do think at the, at the end of the day, a lot of them try to do what's best for their state. Now, whether they're smart about it, that's up to the people, really. But at the end of the day, it's all politics and it's all one big game. To steal a line from the Predators movie, the this the state. The state is a game is a game reserve and with a game. That's really what it is. But at the end of the day, I really hope all those people that weren't involved that they get prosecuted. They get arrested. A lot a lot of arrests, a lot of arrests have been made. Some murders took place during, not not murders, some shootings took place during those things. Some of them from people who were heavy Trump supporters, conspiracy theorists, stuff like that. I mean, what's the what's the line they like to use? Play stupid, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. I believe that's how it goes. So, that's all I got to say about the, um, the siege of the Capitol. Um, and Paris, I will agree with you on that. One of the, I think one of the biggest things as to why the government is still doing what they're doing is because there hasn't been a regime, a regime change in forever. Think about it. The president only sits as president from four to eight years. Again, that's either one or two terms. You got people in Congress, people in the Senate, people in the House of Reps that have been sitting on those chairs for up to 30 to 40 years. Again, old, whole white people. Notice I said whole white, not white people. Old, whole white people who have been sitting at those positions for a long-ass time. One thing I will, and this is something I will give Trump credit on. I'll give him credit on this. It is time to drain the swamp. We need some new blood in there. We need some definite new blood in the government. All these older folks that have been sitting on these positions of power need to be up and gone. Like, I know I say Mitch McConnell needs to be gone. Nancy Pelosi needs to be gone too. Get rid of all of them. All of them jokers need to be gone. We need to get a younger, fresher, more open mind of individuals to be sitting in those positions. That, that, that's, that's really what it comes down to. We got to open these chairs up to people who are much younger and have a lot more understanding of today's world than all these fossils sitting up there in these cabinets. They need to be gone.
They need to be gone. They need to be out. That's really that's really all I got to say about that. As far as politics is concerned, they need to be gone. They all need to be gone. Exactly. No more old white leadership. It needs to be gone. And the thing is that a lot of these things continue to play out the way it does is because these people don't want to let go of their positions of power. They want to hang out to it until the day they die. And oftentimes that's what ends up happening. They don't, the only time it becomes vacated is when they die. Mitch McConnell looks like he's been knocking on death's door for like the whole 2020. Mitch McConnell has been looking like this, like he should have been, been gone, gone. Okay. So again, like if anyone who's watching this, listening to this, if you are my, my age, I'm 36 years old. If you are my age or younger and you're thinking about getting into politics, Years ago, I would have said, don't even do it. But today, I'm going to tell you right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. We need a complete regime change. There's a whole bunch of people that need to get gone out of out of government service. They need to be out. out. We don't need them anymore. We need a, a complete regime change. So in fact, if the president can only sit in office for four to eight years, everybody else should be able to, should be able to sit for four to eight years. Like, seriously, everybody else should be able to sh sit in those certain government positions for 48 years. No, they, they need to be gone. They all need to be gone. All right. Um, But I will say this, though. This will be the last thing I say about the siege of the Capitol. To me, it wasn't really a bad, it, wasn't, it wasn't really a dark day for government. Or it wasn't really a dark day for America. To me, it was a long time coming. And I'm going to tell you right now, I laughed. You, you know, you can take from me what you will about that statement, but I laughed. As a black man in America, who can see the writing on the wall, who can see it completely. I don't necessarily have too much sympathy, 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 sympathy for what happened. They let it get to this point. They absolutely let it get to this point. Whether it was whether it was staged or not, they let it get to this point. Again, if it had been any other group, if it had been any minority group, that thing would have been shut down with the quickness. Completely shut down. Arrests would have been made, shots would have been fired, it'd have been done. Again, the way that that was handled says a lot more about that than it does about us. You know, um, I, 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 if we didn't laugh, we would cry again. And I'm going to tell you exactly what would happen. If we didn't laugh, we would cry forever. We would just, what did I say? We would laugh forever. No, we would cry forever. I said something to that effect. I, I, we would cry forever. We would just completely ignore the whole governmental system together or we would burn this whole country down for real that we really trust me what you saw happen on wednesday while it's a lot is nothing if minority groups all over this country really banded together and we really 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 banded banded together we could burn this whole country down and that is not a threat so don't get me wrong i'm this is just 
This is just factuals here. If every minority group really, really got fed up with how things are being done here, and if we all coordinated and band together, this country would not survive. It wouldn't. Um, I'm, I'm, I think to a young lady who was whose video went viral when um after the death of George Floyd and she had statements that she had made. One of the biggest statements that she said really stuck out to me and it still sticks out to me to this day. She said, white people, oh, excuse me, white people should be very lucky that all black people want is acceptance and not revenge. Because trust me, it would not be a good look. It really would not be a good look. And that's all I'm going to say about the siege of the Capitol. Although I do know this though, they better line up them $2,000 checks though. They better line that up. They better line up them $2,000 stimuluses. They better serve them up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Moving on to my next piece of news, which kind of goes into factor fiction type of deal. Um, for the past couple of days, social media was kind of a buzz about pretty much a hypothetical that was going on that people thought was actually factual. And it was basically a fight between Michael Jai White and Mike Tyson. Now, of course, and then again, Michael Jai White himself stated that this was nothing but like a hypothetical question that was brought up. But people ran with it and took it as like, oh, snap, Michael Jai White is going to fight Mike Tyson. Who's going to win? How is it going to go down? I'm like, reading is funky mental, people. Reading is really funky mental. But, you know, people were asking, like, is this going to be like a legit fight? Is it going to be a martial arts fight? Is it going to be a boxing match? Is it going to be an exhibition? Or are they going to be fighting for real? It's like, people, let's find out the facts first before we start jumping the gun here. Okay, Let, let's at least do that. Now, just my take on the whole hypothetical thing, just my take on it. To me, it'd be a very educational match. More than like it'd just be an exhibition match, just like what Mike Tyson had with Roy Jones Jr. just recently. It would be an exhibition match. You know, Michael Jai White is one of the um, one of the best martial artists out there still doing the thing. Now, he, he mainly focuses on acting, but he's been a long-time martial artist ever since he was young. He holds like several black belts in different styles. Mike Tyson is probably one of the best, one of the best knockout artists to ever exist. And he still has a skill, even at his age. He's about 50, he might be about 54, 53. I know Michael Jabai is 53, so they're almost the same age. I know that for a fact. But I'd say, I really think a match between those two would be very educational to learn. You know, there's a lot of people that say that Michael Jai White would completely own Mike Tyson. There's some people that say that Mike Tyson would demolish Michael Jai White. It, it depends on what are the rules going to be. What, what would the rules be? Would it be a flat-out exhibition match? Would it be, you know, just a boxing match? Because, again, people don't know that Michael Jai White does know a little bit of boxing. And people are missing the biggest play of them all. He played Mike Tyson and the Tyson biopic that came out in the 90s. Are people forgetting that? Am I the only one that remembers that he played Mike Tyson? So as far as I know, those two are actually really close. You know, but um, again, I only brought this up to say that people, it's 2021. If we are not really, if we're not, if we're not even taking time to read headlines, then what are we doing with our lives here, people? 
<laughs> like, what are we doing with this social media platform? What are we doing? Take the time out, read these headlines, understand what's being talked about. For the fact that Michael Jai White had to get on social media and say, like, yeah, this isn't real. We're not actually fighting. I'd love to. It'd be very educational, but this isn't real. People, you got to read these things out. And he also mentioned the whole trailer for Creed 3. For those of you who don't know, whoops. For those of you who don't know, there is a fan made trailer. And I got to stress this it was a fan made trailer for Creed 3, which pit Michael B. Jordan's Adonis Creed against Michael Jai White as a boxer. Even I knew that was fake because we haven't heard any talks about the Creed 3 movie yet, except for the fact that Michael B. Jordan was going to be directing. That's all we heard. Trust me, if Michael Jai White was going to be a part of Creed 3, he would have been the first to say something. Michael B. Jordan would have been the first to say something. Everybody working on that movie would have been the first to say something. Again, for as long as I've been doing YouTube or for as long as I've been watching YouTube videos, you should be able to figure out which movie trailer is a fan-made one and which one's a real one. And I've seen some really well-done fan-made trailers. Trust me, I'm friends with a lot of people who make them. Friends with a lot of them. So I understand which one is fake and which one's real, but, you know, maybe maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me being able to recognize certain things and other people aren't. Maybe that's just me. But... All I'm saying is, people, we have to read and we have to look a little bit deeper before we start shooting off out of the mouth. All right. Uh, but just to wrap this video up, we're gonna, I'm going to do a couple of quick reviews on a couple of um, things that dropped this past weekend and week. Um, we're gonna talk, first, we're going to talk about Cobra Kai Season 3. So Cobra Kai Season 3 dropped earlier than when it was supposed to. It actually dropped New Year's Day. So I was able to binge all of Season 3, which is only about 10 episodes. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, season three was only 10 episodes. And it's, it's, it's episodes like maybe 20 to 40 minutes long. They're not that long. And again, I'm a huge fan of the Cobra Kai series. You know, I binged season one and two um, during the pandemic last year. So I was eager, eagerly waiting for season three. Season three definitely hit on a lot of those, just like the first two seasons did. Of course, season three picks up right after the big... um. Dojo Brawl at the high school. Uh, Robbie Keane, who is um, Johnny Long's son, he's on the run. Um, Samantha LaRusso is dealing with some PTSD, so to speak, and anxiety after going through the brawl with Tori, who was pretty much a psycho. Miguel, he's still kind of in recovery after being kicked over the banister and landing on his back, essentially almost becoming paralyzed. And there's still a big divide between the schools. Um... Hawk, who be who with the with the absence of Miguel becomes the star pupil of Cobra Kai. Kreese has fully taken over the new Cobra Kai started by Johnny Lawrence, and Johnny is trying to just try to figure out what he's supposed to do. So this season, as far as it stands, is a very good season. If I had to pick rate all the seasons out, I would definitely say that I feel like number two might be my favorite season, then it's number one, and then it's number three. Um, a lot of things that I thought were going to happen in the season ended up happening. Um, again, this is kind of a little spoilery, but, you know, I'm pretty sure you guys don't mind, you know. Hawk making a face turn, basically, you know, after realizing what Kreese is doing with Cobra Kai, 
you know, that thought, I thought that probably would have happened soon, sooner, but I was okay with it happening throughout the course of the season, you know, realizing that what he's doing is completely wrong. Um, I enjoyed, you know, Daniel LaRusso making a visit back to Okinawa, meeting up with Kumiko, with Chosen, and actually learning something from both of them. So that was great. Um, Johnny and Daniel kind of started to work together in the beginning, but they kind of fell out. But then they kind of started to go back, come back together again. So everything that happened this season was actually really good. And I actually enjoyed the fact that the kids took a little more center stage in this season than Johnny or Daniel did. So that was actually a plus. The kids really, really took center stage in this. You know, Johnny learned a lot about himself from working with Miguel. And Daniel learned a lot about himself from working with his daughter, Samantha. You know, certain characters are still the same. You know, Robbie, who was kind of teetering on a brink, pretty much made a heel turn, joining up with Cobra Kai, becoming the new star pupil. Um, Tori is still psycho, but we got a little bit more insight into her life. So we don't know what's going to happen with her within the next season. Um, and then the season ended off on a pretty strong note with both Daniel LaRusso students, Daniel LaRusso and his students, and Johnny Lawrence and his students essentially becoming one, one team, becoming a one karate team. They don't have a name yet, but we'll have to see what happens in season four. So more than likely, season four is going to focus on them prepping for the next All-Valley Tournament. And to see how that goes, you know, because as far as it stands right now, Greece has recruited a lot of the bullies from the kids' high school, as well as Robbie Keane. And all the kids that were separated from the first two seasons are now joined together in the third season. We got a little bit of flashback into um, John Kreese's life when he was a soldier. So that, I thought that was pretty cool. I think that took some people out of the season, but I actually thought that was pretty okay. I actually kind of dug it. So it kind of gives us insight to why Kreese is the way he is. He ends this season with making a phone call, which I'm going to really assume is Silver. I absolutely believe that Kreese called Terry Silver. Because one of the flashbacks ended with Terry Silver basically saying something like, Listen, I owe you for like whatever you need. I'm there. So I honestly think that he's going to call um, Terry Silver. I wouldn't mind seeing Michael Bar Mike Barnes show up in Season 4 too. We'll have to see if that's going to happen. And even though I didn't really like the movie much, I wouldn't mind seeing um, Hilly Swan's character for the next Karate Kid, um, Julie. I wouldn't mind seeing her character show up, even if it's just for an episode. I wouldn't mind seeing that. In fact, we got, um, oh my God, Elizabeth Shue's character. She showed up towards the end of the season. Um, Allie. Ali, she showed up, so I thought it was good. I thought there was a moment where her and Johnny were going to get back together, but, you know, that worked out, and I'm glad it worked out the way it did. So, I really, really enjoyed, you know, season three. I really enjoyed it a great deal. So, um, I look forward to season four. Again, if you're not watching Cobra Kai, I urge you to really, really give it a look. Check it out, and, um, you know, um, if you're a karate, karate fan like me, I think you'll definitely enjoy it. I really will. All right, so that's that. Moving on to um, my second review, which was Power Book 2, Ghost. Now, Power Book 2, Ghost, of course, follows Tariq St. Patrick, the son of James St. Patrick and Tasha St. Patrick, as he traverses life through college during his um, freshman year, but also trying to help his mom get out of jail. She's been locked up for his murder against James St. Patrick. 
So he hires a lawyer played by Method Man, who does a great job, by the way. He does a an extremely great job playing the lawyer um Davis McLean. Of course, we have Sachs who's back trying to nail to rig and trying to cover his own ass. Um, we have new characters we're introduced to. Um, Monet Tahada, who's played by Mary J. Blige, who, I mean, unfortunately, her acting is still, still leaves a lot to the imagination. So, we're introduced to her and her family. Kane Tahada, who is the real hothead, who reminds me of, um, Kanan, so to speak. Um, his other, her other son, Drew, um, who was pretty much level-headed, who doesn't want to do any of the business. And her daughter, Diana, who pretty much takes a liking to Tariq. They are, of course, the she is, of course, the husband. Um, um, Monet is the husband of Lorenzo Tejado Sr., who was in jail and he's still running things from inside the prison. Of course, at school, he runs into a few people. He meets a new girl by the name of Dag. I can't believe I forgot her name. Um, but um, she's um, also a girl who's interested in Tariq as well. Um, Tariq's friend, um, Brayden also goes to school with him, they share a dorm together. So they both team up and start doing running like a drug business within inside of school, which is which is a pretty ingenious way for them to do it. I'm not advocating to sell drugs, but I'm just saying the way they set up the, the way they have it set up is actually pretty ingenious. So I'm maybe gonna dispute that. Um, they were introduced a whole bunch of other different characters and stuff. So um, the season itself is actually really really good. I know a lot of people have their reservations about Power Book 2, but honestly speaking, it's, it's better written, I think it's better produced, and I think it's better acted than the original Power series. And don't get me wrong, I love Power. Power is a great series. But I honestly think Book 2 was written just much better. I think it was really that much better. Um, they had a couple of breaks in between. You know, right before the year ended and a few months before that. But I honestly think Power Book 2 is a really great series. And I found myself rooting for Tariq St. Patrick. You know, before the premiere of this series, I was literally on F, F Tariq, F Tasha. Y'all killed those. I ain't want to have nothing to do with y'all. But now I'm like, you know, I hope this little dude makes it out. I hope he figures this mess out and comes out on top. So at the end of the day, he's essentially turning into his father. Which I think a lot of people forgot what he was. That's what he was really trying to do. Remember, towards the end of Power, he was trying to get his father to teach him the game. He said, "Teach me the game." You know, after finding that his parents were drug dealers, he said, "Teach me the game." Ghost essentially didn't want that for his son, but Tasha tried to start. Charles started putting him on that path to becoming a part of the game. So that's where things go. Um, the se season ends off. With a on a pretty big note, you know, the season end with the return of Tommy, who is the big dog of power. Everybody loves Tommy. We know this. You know, he comes back for the season finale. You know, and things set up, work out. So it's going to be interesting to see where season two goes. But again, I honestly urge you, if you're... <laughs> Ken, I ain't going to lie to you, man. This still kind of is that way to me, but... There's a part of me that kind of wants to see him. I want to see how he's going to work his way out of these things, man. Because there's a couple things in the air. You know, now he's kind of pretty much been ingratiated into the Tejada family. While also trying to, I guess, maybe help Kane work his way back in. 
Um, the outsider that was helping him stay out of the cops' radar, he's dead. Kane killed him. Um, we don't. I don't believe that um, Lorenzo's going to be getting out anytime soon. So that's going to be interesting to see how things work. And I'm and I'm pretty sure he suspects that his wife is up to something outside of the prison. Um, as far as who I, I don't really know who I want Tariq to end up with. I feel like he should. I mean, because it's between it's between three girls. It's Effie, it's Diana, and it's I can't believe I'm forgetting that girl's name. That uh, I can't believe what that girl's name. Um. Let's see. Now, now I gotta look it up. Give me, give me a second, guys. Uh, I, I gotta look up who this girl, girls, what this girl name is. Um, Lauren. Yeah, yo. So, so between Lauren, Diana, and Effie, it's kind of hard to pick which three, which other the three that I would think Tariq is gonna end up with. Effie's the one that gets him the most. At the end of the day, Effie's the one that really understands who Tariq is at this point. She, she's, she would almost be, I don't know, I can't, I can't compare her to Tasha. I can't compare her to Tasha, but she's really the one that kind of gets him. Diana's the one that really, 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 really likes him. From what I can tell, she's the one that is really, like, really into him. She probably doesn't want to be in this game for too long, so I can see her, you know, getting out of it at some point. Lauren, I think Lauren is just in, she's just infatuated with him. She likes him, but she likes him because she doesn't really know him too well. So that's what it is to me. But I don't know. Like, I mean, you guys let me know. Who do you think Tariq should really end up with? Who do you think really best suits him with the path he's going down right now? But, you know, again... Power Book 2 is a great series. Book 3 is coming soon, which is um Raising Canaan. Um, so we'll we'll see how that goes. I'm not really too interested in that. I'll probably watch it to see where it goes. But as far as the spin-offs is concerned, Power Book 2 I'm locked into. I definitely can't wait for book four, which is Ghost. No. Book four is I think Force. I think Power Book 4 is Ghost which deals with Tommy, and you know. Everybody gonna be watching that because it's Tommy. Uh, there's supposed to be another spinoff about um Councilman Tate. Eh, I don't really know about that one either, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I feel like Diane Diane is more like Tasha. I I feel like that also. Um, but I don't know. I, it might be too early to tell. So I'm gonna give it a little while. I'm gonna see what season two is gonna be like to really make the determination. But I think I think at this point. She's definitely more like Tasha. I definitely will say that Lauren is a lot like Angela Valdez. And I think we all know how I feel about Angela Valdez. Eh. But, you know, um, yeah, I, yeah, def, I think def, Dan is definitely more like Tasha. Lauren's definitely like Angela Valdez. But Effie, Effie's the wild card. Effie's definitely the wild card, so. And we only saw her, like, for, like, an episode or two. And she really tried to screw Tariq over also. So, maybe she won't play a factor. Maybe it will just be between Lauren and Diana. But if I had to pick between those, those two, I would definitely pick Diana <coughs> over Lauren. If I'm going to be honest with you, I'd definitely pick Diana over Lauren. 
Lauren. So, but um, that's Power Book Two again. I'm not, and I have a lot of friends that are like really bashing Power Book Two. Like, like, get out your feelings and give it a watch. Again, to me, it's better written, is better acted, and is better produced. I, I honestly like Power Book Two a lot. I wasn't sure if I was gonna like it or not, but I actually ended up really, really, really enjoying it. And then, of course, the last show I'm going to talk about is This Is Us. This Is Us came back this past Tuesday on NBC. Yes, I watched This Is Us, and I love the show. I've been in, I've been this, I've been on This Is Us since the first season. So, yeah, I, I enjoy This Is Us. Um, this episode, again, comes back from the break, and it's a very, it was much more Kate-centered episode. I mean, it touched on everyone, all the Pearson kids, Kate, Kevin, and Randall. But this was definitely a more Kate-centered episode, even though the previews made it seem like there was more about Randall. And it seems like they're trying to push Randall a little bit more this season. But we'll see how it goes. Um, Kate, of course, you know, this to this episode centered around her revealing to her husband, Toby, that, you know, she had an abortion when she was 18 years old from that douchebag boyfriend that she had. And the reason why she didn't tell him about it was because she didn't want to be looked at as a victim. And then she revealed that she had thought about telling her old boyfriend i believe his name was mark about it you know we get flashbacks of how she tried to uh, i guess kind of reconcile with him but realized that he was he was shit so you know there was that she confronts him who and he turns out to be the same douchebag he still was as a teenager or as an adult because she was a teenager he was an adult and you know she finally said her piece she let that dude go and they moved on you know, Kevin, he's, of course, dealing with, you know, the coming of his twins. But now he's has a predicament where the production of his movie has been moved up. So now he has to travel. So him and his own girlfriend come into a little bit of conflict with that. But they just find a way to work it out. The big part of the episode, of course, is the fact that Randall realizes that his birth mother was actually still alive. Even after he was thought or even after he was told that she died from his father. Uh, the Asian gentleman who knew her, um, reached out to them and told him that I knew your mother, you know, she was trying to find you and things like that. So, you know, he goes throughout the whole episode thinking that his father lied to him, but then the Asian gentleman, his name is Hai, told him that his father pretty much told him what he thought he knew. He didn't realize that his wife or his girlfriend or the mother came back to life, that she was alive. So... A lot of us, even myself included, was thinking that maybe she was going to be alive still, only for us to find out that she ended up passing away because of breast cancer. So the next episode is going to cover the life and times of Randall's actual birth mother. So that's going to be a very interesting episode to see, and I'm looking forward to that. But aside from that, that's pretty much, as far as my, for me, that's what's going on this week, as far as the world of entertainment news and actual news. Um, if there's any other news that you think I might have missed out, feel free to share it in the comments section before I log this out. Um, it is 531 right now, so we did a pretty good solid hour. You know, the minimum I'm going to do is an hour. That's going to be pretty much the most time I'm going to spend on here for live. So, and I think 430 seems to be a good time. You know, a lot of you guys came in and chatted it up with me on Facebook and on um, YouTube. So that was cool. But, um. You know, I'll, live, I'll give this time for some comments and stuff. If you guys have anything that you guys would like to share in the comment section, um, definitely feel free to do so. Um, I got to definitely um, 
fix the um, properties from my chat box for the stream so it shows up there. And once I do that, things will should be go. Things should be good to go. So I just have to figure this out. Just have to figure it out somehow. Once I do that, my um chat box for here on um Streamlabs should be um good. It should be good to go. And then that's that. So let me just make sure there's no other comments here. Mm. Well, if that's the case, then I'm going to close this thing out. I want to thank all you guys for tuning in to my weekly wrap up. Again, this is going to be something I'm going to try to do every single week. You know, I'll cover all these shows. I'll just, I'll cover WWE. I don't really watch um, AEW like that. So maybe at some point when I do start watching, I'll start covering that too. I'll start covering actual news and stuff. Anything that drops on social media that could be, that needs to be, you know, course corrected and stuff. And just quick reviews on stuff that I watch. That'll pretty much be it. Um, Look for some more interviews coming down the pike. Of course, I'm going to be looking for guests to come on the Jet Live Where Talk podcast. Um, Kem, who is part of the Wake and Hate podcast, I'm going to try to coordinate with them and see when we can get those guys on the show. So, um, be on the lookout for that. Um, aside from that, guys, thank you guys for tuning in to the live stream today. And I will catch you guys on the next show. Dreadlock Blurred out. Peace.